I have a lot of great childhood memories. I'm sure you do too. Uh, one of my favorite memories is going skiing with my family uh, just about every year. Uh, from when I was 12 years old to 16 years old, my family would load up in our SUV and we would drive to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And uh, the drive from Oklahoma City, where I was born and raised, to Santa Fe, it's only about eight hours. So we could leave on a Wednesday or a Thursday afternoon, uh, have an entire weekend for skiing, and then get home on Sunday evening uh, before having to go back to school and then my parents going to work. A few times we made this trip during spring break. So when we got to the mountain, uh, the weather was a little warmer, but there was still plenty of snow. I'd say like 90% of the slopes were open. And with about eight inches of snowfall, on average during spring break, uh, the slopes could still take quite a bit of abuse. But I always noticed a change during that time. You see, throughout the week, because of all the skiers, uh, what little snow they had started to wear down, and then before you know it, it was just uh, grass. The ski, the ski slopes they could only take so much abuse um, before the snow was just worn down to the ground and you couldn't use the slopes anymore. Yeah, I think this is a good analogy or a good illustration for life. When you're being pressed down by anger, when you're being pressed down by worry, fear, uh, shame, or when you're going through a difficult life storm, you can only take so much before you eventually just wear down. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus said that we should always pray and never give up. Now, the context here is that Jesus was contrasting two things. He's contrasting prayer and discouragement. You know, I think we're always doing one or the other. If we're praying, we're not giving up. But if you're giving up, you're likely not praying. This morning, there are millions of Christians all over the world who are gathered together for worship. And being the first Sunday of the new year, I have to believe that there's a lot of people wondering how in the world they're going to make it through 2024. You know, last year brought a lot of challenges for many people, but it also brought a lot of great opportunities to be used by God, to use the gifts that he's given us to be kingdom workers. And so as we begin a new year, there's some important questions that we need to ask ourselves. How do we begin in the right way? How do we start off on the right foot? How can we have a successful year in God's eyes? Friends, I believe the answer to these questions begins with prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, as well as Luke chapter 11, Jesus gave his disciples a model of prayer that we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And this prayer is often recited in churches or at Christian gatherings, but there's so much more to it than just repeating words. Jesus provided this model of prayer for us as an outline to teach us how to pray in a way that connects us to God and empowers us to live the life that he's called us to live. I would say the overarching purpose of the Lord's prayer is first and foremost to glorify God and then to teach us how to ask for God's help in accomplishing his will on earth. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Now, at first glance, this doesn't seem like that big a deal until you understand the context behind the question. See, the disciples were already familiar with prayer. It was part of their culture. It was ingrained in how they were raised. It was part of their upbringing. They likely 
prayed often and were around people who prayed often, both privately and publicly. Each morning, they would begin the day with the Shema, Deuteronomy 6. Each evening, they would end the day with Deuteronomy 6. So prayer was not a new concept for them. And so we got to circle back to this. Why would they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray? This is something that they were already accustomed to. Well, the disciples had been observing Jesus in real time. They were walking with him. They, they were able to see with their own eyes his life, his ministry, his message, and the way that he prayed. They understood that the way Jesus prayed was different from anything they had ever seen or experienced. And it always produced amazing results. I believe the disciples were motivated by Jesus' prayer life. They wanted to learn how to pray like him how they could experience God's power in their own lives. And so as we're going to talk about over the next two weeks, the value of the Lord's Prayer is not in memorizing and reciting it word for word. The value of the Lord's Prayer is in using it as a model for our own conversations with God, connecting with Him relationally, praising His name, asking for His will to be done in our lives, requesting what we need, Confessing sin, receiving forgiveness, and learning how to forgive others. Like the early disciples, we too can learn from Jesus' example and from this amazing model of prayer that he's given us. And so the Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew chapter 6. About four and a half years ago, we walked through that. We unpacked that together. And uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at Luke's account in Luke chapter 11. We're going to begin a brand new series today that I'm calling Lessons from the Light. As we read today's passage, you'll notice the verse that leads directly into the Lord's Prayer begins with these words. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. This is how you should pray. Jesus never said, this is what you should pray. He said, this is how you should pray. The Lord's Prayer is not a magic wand that we wave around in hopes that our circumstances change to whatever we hope they can be. It's not a religious ritual that we repeat word for word. It's a model for prayer. And we need to learn this model because it addresses everything that we need in this life. When we are intentional, we learn the model of the Lord's Prayer. We do so so that we can know how to pray and what to pray for. That's why we learn the model of the Lord's Prayer. And so if you're able, I'd like to invite you to stand with me this morning um, as I read this incredible passage aloud. I'm going to read it in its entirety, and then we're going to break it down in an applicable way over the next two messages. And so Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 13, we'll have uh, the scripture up on the screen as well. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. And then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. 
And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like for you to think about the Lord's prayer like this. Think about it as a a pathway that's made up of different steps. Now, don't misunderstand that. Um, We don't take these steps to earn God's favor, his love, or his salvation. Each of these steps will lead you to a closer relationship with God. We take these steps to draw closer to him and to learn how to depend on him in every situation and every season and how to live the life that he's called us to live. And so we're going to break down these steps so that you have some application that you can take with you today. Step number one, if you're taking notes, the first thing that we see in the Lord's Prayer, we connect with God relationally. That's the first step in prayer. We connect with God relationally. Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 2. In the NLT and in Luke's account, it's, it's one word. It's the word Father. Now, if you jump over to Matthew's account, and if you were to look at the NIV, um, it's a phrase, our Father in heaven. So this first word or phrase is all about connecting with God relationally by remembering who he is and how much he loves you. So God has never been impressed in people simply practicing religion. Jesus didn't go to the cross for religion. Instead, he desires a relationship. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says, so, if you have, uh, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. This is all about relationship. It's about adoption and sonship. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you've been adopted into the family of God, and God is your heavenly Father. The beginning of the Lord's Prayer reminds us that prayer is all about relationship. It also reminds us that prayer should never start with what we need. Prayer should start with who God is. And friends, this is so important. God is our caring, consistent, compassionate, and close Heavenly Father, that's who he is. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. It says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ Though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. 
And so when we go to our Heavenly Father in prayer, we can be reminded that His love is so great, it's so vast, that we could never see the end of it or fully understand it. God's love is long enough to last forever. His love is wide enough to embrace you just as you are, and it's great enough to not leave you that way. His love is deep enough to pull you out of your deepest hurt and your deepest despair. His love is high enough to forgive even your greatest offense. God wants us to experience this kind of love by spending time with him. We experience this kind of love when we go to him in prayer by remembering who he is and how much he loves us. He's our perfect heavenly father. And so we should begin our prayers by connecting with God relationally. And one thing that we're going to do over the next two weeks is that for each step of the Lord's Prayer, each aspect of the Lord's Prayer, we're going to pause and I'm going to give you an opportunity just right where you're at to pray and to connect with God in that way. And so this first step is all about connecting with him relationally. I'm going to pray during this time, but I want to encourage you to pray silently right where you're at as well. Connect with God this morning. Remember who he is. Let's pray at this time. Lord, we thank you for this reminder in this first step that you are our Heavenly Father, that we've been adopted into your forever family and that your love is long enough to last forever. It's wide enough to embrace us just as we are today. We thank you that you don't leave us that way, that you mold us and grow us more into the image of your Son, that your love is deep enough to pull us out of our our deepest hurts, the deepest valleys that we go through. Your love is high enough to forgive us when we sin and when we fall short. We thank you for being our perfect heavenly father. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Step number two, if you're taking notes, uh, we worship his name. And so we connect with him relationally, but then we worship his name. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse two, it continues. It says, may your name be kept holy. Again, if you were to jump over to Matthew's account or look at the NIV translation, it says, hallowed be your name. May your name be kept holy. This second phrase is all about focusing our prayers on the right things as we tell God now how much we love him. And this is what worship is all about. It's what Jesus meant when he said, may your name be kept holy. And so before we ask God for anything, we need to spend a few moments in worship, focusing on him instead of focusing on our problems. And that's easy to do, right? It's easy to get this wrong. So we worship God for who he is and and for what he has done. And so who is he? Well, the Bible tells us that he is creator. He made us in his image. We just talked about how he's our heavenly father. He loves us. The Bible tells us that he is our savior. He forgives our sin and he sets us apart to live the life that he's called us to live. He's our good, great, and chief shepherd. He speaks to us through his word and he leads our lives. God is our peace. He gives us a kind of peace that the world cannot take away. God is our refuge and our strength. He helps us in times of trouble. He's our provider. He supplies all of our needs. He provides all of our needs. It's interesting to point out that in almost every book of the Bible, you can find a name for God and a reminder about how he's everything that you could ever need. And God's names, they remind us about who he is and and about what he's done. 
And when we speak his names out loud, and we should, when we worship him for who he is and for what he's done, we're reminded about how powerful and about how great our God truly is. Don't skip this step. Psalm 107 verse 15 says, Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. So prayer should begin by connecting with God relationally. We remember how much he loves us. We should spend time worshiping his name. We spend a moment worshiping God for who he is and for what he's done. This helps us to stay focused on the right things when we pray. We pray, Father, may your name be kept holy. And so let's spend just a few moments this morning praying this step. Let's worship God for who he is. Maybe there's a verse that comes to mind. Maybe there's a passage this morning that reminds you about one of the names of God or who God is. Thank him for who he is today. Let's pray about this. Lord, we thank you for being our creator. You're our heavenly father who loves us. You are our savior who forgives our sins. You set us apart to live a life that has purpose and meaning for you. You are the good, the great, and the chief shepherd who leads our lives. You are our peace in a world that can seem so hectic at times. You are our comfort when we need comfort. You are our refuge and our strength, a present help in times of trouble. You are our perfect provider. And Lord, this only begins to scratch the surface of who you are, but we thank you for this reminder this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Step number three, if you're taking notes, we pray his agenda first. We pray his agenda first. Luke chapter 11, verse 2, we continue. It says, may your kingdom come soon. May your kingdom come soon. Uh, Matthew's account would, would say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so part of being a follower of Jesus means learning to care about the things that God cares about and then offering our lives to be used by God in whatever way he sees fit for his purposes, for his will, not our own. So commenting on this part of the Lord's Prayer, it was Robert Law who said, a prayer is a mighty instrument not for getting man's will done in, uh, in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. That's one of the purposes of prayer. It's not for getting man's will done, it's for getting God's will done. And so this verse is really a declaration of cooperation and surrender in our lives. When you say, may your kingdom come soon, you're saying, Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. This is a dangerous prayer. This is what we call dangerous prayers because if you pray that prayer, you should expect there to be some change and some shift in the way that you're living your life to align more with who God is and what he says is right and the way that he's leading you. I think this is a dangerous prayer. And we know that God's plans are always better than our own and so this part of the Lord's prayer is about aligning our lives to his plan, to his will. That always starts with prayer. So even when life is, is tough, we don't have an answer for what's going on. We can be reminded, as we see even in the Lord's Prayer, we can be confident that God is good, that his plans are good, and that he's watching out for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So submitting your life to God's plans, to his purposes, this is not a one-time decision. I think a lot of people get this backwards. We get it confused. A lot of people believe that you, you make the decision to follow Jesus, you get baptized, and that's all she wrote. But following Jesus is a daily decision. It's a daily commitment. Every day our lives should be submitted to God's will and to his purpose. We see this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So true worship doesn't just happen on Sunday morning when we're singing songs. It's the life that we live. Right? It's, it's living life when it's maybe the most challenging in your marriage, in your parenting, at work with those difficult coworkers. Right? It's being consistent and being faithful to follow God's word even when it's hard. We rely on him and his strength to help us do that. And so God wants us to lay aside our own plans on a daily basis so that we can faithfully follow him. And this means that our entire lives are given for his purpose. Our finances, our jobs, our relationships, and even our current and future plans. And so to pray... May your kingdom come soon is to offer your whole life to God. Can you see how this is a dangerous prayer? And I think that explains a little bit why some people see this prayer more as a religious ritual, just something that you regurgitate and you move on about your day. Because if you truly mean this, if you pray this sincerely, it changes you. It's to recognize that there's no better plan than his. And so when you pray for God's will to be done in your life, Spend some time praying about the things that you already know that God cares about. Sharing Jesus with the lost, with outsiders. Praying for wisdom and guidance for those who are in positions of authority. Praying for parents, spiritual leaders, uh, governmental leaders, uh, your boss at work. (laughs) That you would accomplish God's purpose in your life in each of those areas. I think this is also a good time to read God's word. And if you don't know what to pray, just pray about what you're reading. I remember hearing this for the first time when I was in youth group myself. I remember the youth pastor saying this. I want to share this with you, that it's such an important truth that when you pray God's word, you're praying God's will. So how do you know if you're praying what God wants you to pray? How do you know if you're doing God's will? Well, when you pray God's word, you're praying his will. Pray his agenda first. And so let's take a few moments this morning. Let's pause and let's pray about that together. Um, this prayer of surrender. Right? I, I, I feel like that's what we need to do individually this morning and say, God, just use me how you will. Help me surrender my life to you. All right, let's pray about that. Lord, may your kingdom come soon. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we try to go our own way so often and how we steward the things that you've given us, how we spend money, the friends that we make, the, how we fill out our, our calendars throughout the week. Lord, help us start fresh today. And saying, God, this is, 
my life and it belongs to you. We, we recognize that our life is not our own, that our lives were bought with a price. So help us to say yes to the things that you want us to do and the places you want us to go and the things you want us to say. We pray that your will would be done in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Number four, and this is the last one for today, and uh, this will be kind of halftime, right? Uh, Football is going on right now, so you understand, and sometimes halftime, you're just anxious. I hope you're anxious to come back next week because it's, it's going to be very meaningful, I think. Number four, depend on him for everything. Depend on him for everything. That sounds like a big statement. That's a big claim, right? Depend on God for everything? Yes, depend on him for everything. Luke chapter 11, verse 3, uh, give us each day the food that we need. Uh, the NIV or, or Matthew's uh, account would say, give us today our daily bread. And so this fourth step is all about trusting God to meet your needs. It's all about depending on him for everything. When Jesus said, give us each day the food that we need, give us each day our daily bread, he was encouraging his disciples to live with total dependence on the Father. And so at this point in the Lord's Prayer, you know, you've recognized that God is your heavenly Father who loves you. You've told God that you love him. You've spent some time worshiping him and thanking him for who he is and for what he's done. You've surrendered your life to his will. And now, now you're ready to bring your request to him, the things that you need in life, that daily bread. God's word tells us that we can pray about anything, you can pray wherever you're at. You can pray in the car. You can pray in the shower. You can pray in the living room. You can pray at church. You can pray anywhere, and you can pray about anything. He cares about even the smallest of details in your life. You can talk to him about the challenges that you're facing, the needs that you have, the things that are pressing you down, those worries, those fears, the shame that you're carrying. When Jesus said, give us each day the food that we need, give us today our daily bread, that bread represents everything that we need in life. That bread includes our emotional needs, our spiritual needs, and our physical needs. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, and this is, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. It's important to note that God promises to always provide for our needs, but not our greeds. There's a difference. God promises to provide for our needs, not our greeds. When we talk about prayer and we talk about God as our provider, it would be so easy for us to twist this promise into something that we think it should be. And that's why it's so important to begin prayer by connecting with God relationally, by spending time in worship and praying his agenda first. This aligns our lives with his will. And then we get to the point where we can request the things that we need. And so it's okay to request things in prayer. Matthew chapter 21 verse 22 reminds us that we can pray about anything. Just remember that no loving parent would give their children everything they ask for. I'm going to talk to the parents for a moment. 
Would any loving parent give their children everything that they ask for? No, a loving parent gives their children what they need. And that's the promise. God has promised us in his word that he will always meet our needs, not our greeds. Now, I've seen parents from time to time, they do give their kids whatever they ask for, and you see it in their behavior. The kids don't listen. They've never heard the word no in their life. We need to parent in step and by design in a way that would reflect our own Heavenly Father. Fathers, we need a father like the Father. Discipline is a good thing. All right, discipline is good. The root word of discipline is discipleship. I don't think you can disciple your children unless you're disciplining them. Learning to trust and depend on God's provision, it's a process. You know, you don't hear a sermon and go home and all of a sudden you're just going to trust God every moment of every day for his provision. This is a process. This, you know, we learn how to do this as we mature in our faith, as we grow to trust God more. It doesn't happen overnight. I found that it's helpful for me to look back and remember all those times when God has proven himself faithful in the past. This, this helps me to trust God in the present. You know, I was looking back in my Bible this week. I have it written down right on the first page um, when I decided to believe in Jesus and when I was baptized into Christ. It's 2001. So in my over 22 years as a believer, I tried to think back, God, when was the time that you, you know, fell through with a promise? When was the time that you didn't do what you said you were going to do? And I can't think of one. You know, I could write a book on all the times that I've fallen short, all the times that I've failed and messed up. But God is consistent. He follows through with his word. And I'm learning every day how to depend on him more and more. I'm learning how to depend on him for everything. And so that's the challenge this morning. Let's pause for a moment. Let's pray about this fourth step. We thank God for his provision you know, pray about the things that you need in life right now. Again, God promises to meet our needs, not our greeds. And so if you're praying about a greed over and over again, don't, don't be surprised if it's not part of God's plan. That's okay. Sometimes good parents need to say no to their kids. Let's pray about this step. Lord, I think of Philippians 4.19. You are the same God who provided for the Apostle Paul. You, you promised to provide for us. Your word says that we've been given everything that we need in Christ Jesus. We thank you that we can come to you broken and hurt and we can come to you on our very best days as well and that you meet with us. That we can just have a conversation like you're sitting right next to us. We thank you that you've given us this gift of prayer and at this time, as we pray for those various needs that are in our lives, we just thank you, Lord, for your, your provision. We thank you for being a perfect parent. I pray that even in a series like this, when we're front-loading it with prayer, which is not always, you know, an engaging topic, that the parents in the room would start to get a clear sense and a clear picture of, of your heart for us and that we would parent our kids in the same way. Lord, we thank you for always providing for our needs. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And so to wrap things up, you know, I, I understand that this can be a lot to take in. <laughs> this is one of those messages um, that feels like you're drinking from a fire hydrant. 
All right, you can get what you can in and the rest just goes everywhere else. Um, take what you can with you today. Find that nugget of truth that is going to you know, make a difference and an impact in your life. Um, there's a lot of great truth packed into the Lord's Prayer and that's why we're taking a couple of weeks to go through it together. But this week, that, that's the reminder. Remember that the Lord's Prayer is a model of prayer. It's meant to lead you into a closer relationship with God. We connect with God relationally first. He's your heavenly father who loves you. We worship his name. So before you ask uh, for things, spend a few moments worshiping God, focusing on who he is and what he's done. Pray his agenda first. That's that dangerous prayer. Submit your life to him, to his plans and his purposes. And remember, his plans are better than yours. And depend on him for everything. God has promised to meet all your needs. So trust him today as your provider. Amen?